podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Anything But Footy. I'm John and Michael's here again. Well, I'm not there. We're <laughs> opposite there. ends of the country again, but I'm here. We're oh. here by um, modern technology. The two of us are opposite ends of the country, but able to get together for the Anything But Footy podcast. And what? What a weekend of sport and differing fortunes as well for two of our big sports, John. Yeah, episode three is special. Now, that's not my description, but a special on the Euro Indoors Athletics, which has been taking place in Glasgow, and a special on the World Track Cycling Championships in Poland. And as you say, differing fortunes, but also differing standards, Michael, and we'll maybe talk about that as uh, as we continue anything but footy. And that's what we're here for, a review of the sporting headlines this weekend you might not have heard about as much as you should have. And I just want to say as well that we're not anti-football because you'll never believe it, but Michael is a Leeds United commentator. I'm a Norwich City season ticket holder. Uh, but we want to talk about Olympic sport when it's not the Olympics, because it's just as important what is going on as we build up to Tokyo 2020. And it's, uh, I think it's right, because we were both born in Olympic years. It was always meant to be. My dad was born in Olympic year. My son was born in Olympic year. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. So we're not anti-football, but we just want to talk anything but footy just for a change. So I've got a daughter also born in an Olympic year as there well, 2012. So it's made for us to come together to do this, anything but footy. Exactly. So coming up, we'll review Glasgow 2019. They say that people make Glasgow. I reckon that sport does as well. They put on some great events and the Emirates Arena has been a superb venue this, uh, this uh, Euro Indoor Championships. And a year and a bit to go before Tokyo, the British cyclists show they are human as Australia ramp up the pressure. Also, Tom Daly's back diving after being a dad, and all that jazz will look back at the career of one of Great Britain's best swimmers. How can people get in touch, Michael? They can get in touch with us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page there, Anything But Footy. Uh, you can tweet us at Anything But F. You can find us on Instagram, on YouTube as well. And let that debate continue on social media. You can also, of course, drop us an email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. We'll start then, John, with the Queen of Scots, Laura Muir, double gold medalist, the first ever person to do a double-double at the uh, Euro indoors. First to have Brit to do that. Bit of history for Laura Muir tonight. Yeah, and double-double means she, she's won the 1,500 metres and the 3,000 3, metres, two Euro indoor championships on the trot. So Belgrade in 2017, I think, and now Glasgow uh, in 2019. She's been described, Michael, as off the scale by some of her other British competitors. And I think you can absolutely show that this, this young lady, you know, she's only just finished studying she's qualified as a vet and she's now in her full year of actually training and competing and boy oh boy I mean I watched the 3,000 meters on Friday night and she just burst away with 200 meters to go uh, and comfortable uh, you know in, in her 1500 meters heats which was just an hour and a half before it it was incredible uh, to see that and then you saw that grit and determination in her face as well and she won that second gold as well uh, which was impressive in the 1500 meters uh, and they described it as a procession, and it, it really was. Uh, she gritted her teeth with two laps to go, 400 metres uh, on, the, uh, on the, the measurement, and she just wound it up and wound it up, and they never got anywhere near her. And it's just, I think, interesting to see whether she can now take this to the outdoor season because the World Championships are in Doha later in the summer, quite late in the athletics calendar. Is she a medal contender for the outdoor season, Michael? 
I think the hard work starts now for Laura Muir. And, you know, that might sound a little bit glib when you come off the back of, as we've already mentioned, the double-double. But you look at her record in some of the major outdoor championships, and she's been the nearly woman over recent years, fifth in the 1500 metres in 2015 in the World Championships in Beijing, 1500 metres at the Olympic Games in Rio 2016. We witnessed her finishing seventh out there. And in London, well, she got her tactics wrong, really. I think she showed a bit of inexperience. Fourth in the 1500 metres, missing out on a medal. Then sixth in the 5000 metres. She's going to come up against a lot of very good Ethiopians and Kenyans. Uh, obviously, Casta Semenya has run a 1500 metres as well. And as one of the athletes has beaten Laura Muir before in the past. So, yes, she has a big challenge now. She has to now take what she's done on that indoor track, an indoor track that she knows very well because she trains there. But obviously, she's gone to the championships. Clearly, you know, she was the the one, the the face of the games in the same way that Jessica Ennis-Hill was in 2012. And, you know, Ailey Doyle was in 2014. She was the face. She was the one that was put on all the posters to make it commercially viable. She's done her job. But can she now go to Doha? And then I would suspect even more importantly, then go to Tokyo. Mm. So she's got an October Doha meeting and then go to Tokyo in, in what is 508 days time. Mm. I mean, she's obviously a great indoor uh, runner, as you rightly say. And uh, she said afterwards that she was absolutely relieved uh, because, you know, the pressure was on her to do this. But as you say, uh, you described her as the Queen of Scotland. Now, I think, uh, you know, obviously, she's done it brilliantly in these uh, Euro Indoor Championships. But actually, she didn't impress me as much as Katerina Johnson-Thompson. And you know I'm not the biggest fan of the so-called <laughs> KJT. Um, but I thought that on her pentathlon uh, gold medal was absolutely up there with what I'd seen from a British performer because I think the expectation was that she was going to win it and I thought she absolutely performed. She had a slight wobble again on the long jump, which is her best event, which seems a bit weird. But but boy, oh boy, what a difference a couple of years makes uh, for Katerina Johnson-Thompson. Yeah, we have to obviously preface that with the fact that Nafi Tiam, the world champion and the Olympic champion from Belgium, wasn't in Glasgow. She would have been a real threat. But yeah, congratulations to Katerina Johnson-Thompson. She's 26 now, so she needs to start winning these medals. If she's going to have major outdoor success in a World Championships Olympic uh, Games, she needs to start doing that in the next couple of years. But yeah, she's won the European Indoor title to add to the World Indoor title. But I would just like to highlight as well the performance of Neve Emerson, mm. who's just 19, Silver medalist, wasn't originally selected by British Athletics, was invited by European Athletics. She collapsed across the line in the 800 metres. She registered five PBs. And this medal, this silver medal, comes off the back of a medal in the Commonwealth Games as well. And as I said, Katerina Johnson-Thompson is 26. Jessica Ennis-Hill's retired. And it's such a relentless thing, sport, that Neve Emerson is just coming up on the rails, isn't she? She's, mm. She is out sprinting them, if you like, down that back straight at the moment because she's 19 and putting herself in a really, really good position. And, yeah, credit to, to European Athletics for inviting her. Uh, British Athletics didn't obviously originally select her. Absolutely. World junior champion she was as well. And you obviously interviewed her down in the Gold Coast uh, as well in, the, in those Commonwealth Games. And she's just she's just great to see, you know, another another kind of uh, uh, um, British star coming through a bit like Katarina Johnson Thompson did, of course, in, in 2012. Just one issue I've got with Kat. I, I don't like the initials. I don't like <laughs> any. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big initial fan. You know, just look at AVB. 
um, which who was some football manager. You know, it just doesn't work. So that would be my only issue uh, with Katharina Johnson-Thompson. But look, she, you know, she's on her way, as you say, two Euro indoors and a world indoors title, a Commonwealth gold uh, outdoor as well. A massive, massive pressure ahead of Doha now uh, coming up later this year to see whether she can, like Laura Muir, step up. Now, yeah. the, the women are dominating in, yeah, British, in British athletics, aren't they? I mean, uh, four, four gold medals. Um, I- I- at the Euro indoors, all from the women. And, and I thought Shalena Oskin-Clark, again, with that gold in the 800 metres, uh, you know, she got a silver two years ago, front running at its very best in Glasgow. Yeah, she was a silver medalist in Rio. She has been a world championship finalist as well, Shalena Oskin-Clark. Um, that, I'm sure, will give her huge confidence now. And she must look at the what she's done in Glasgow over the weekend. She must look at that gold medal when she, she puts herself to bed tonight. And she must think then, going to Doha, that she's got to be a contender. And as you say, it's it's the women at the moment that you look at and you think if uh, if Great Britain and Northern Ireland, which is the team name, are going to hit those medal targets in Doha, are going to hit those medal targets going forward to Tokyo, which of course then brings in their huge amount of funding. It looks as though it's going to be relays and potentially Laura Muir, Katarina Johnson-Thompson and others that will be winning those medals at the moment. You know, that's not to take anything away from Jamie Webb, who's won a medal tonight, and, and Tim Duckworth, who's won a medal in the heptathlon as well, potential, you know, successor to Daly Thompson. But at the moment, when you look on that world stage and you think, well, who might go to Doha and win medals? You're looking at Laura Muir, maybe. You're looking at Katarina Johnson-Thompson. You're certainly looking at those 4x400-metre relay women as well because they always seem to win a medal led home by Ailey Doyle. And you're looking at someone like Holly Bradshaw as well, who, who's won a silver tonight, has had wretched time with injuries, but seems to be coming back into a little bit of form as well. Mm, you haven't even mentioned Dina Asher-Smith there. Well, no, obviously, because she wasn't in Glasgow. She'll win, she she will, will win in Doha. She'll get yeah, something. she will. She will come into the mix again. Whether she's good enough to to do it, she had a fantastic season last year. Uh, you know, was rightly nominated for Sports Personality of the Year after her exploits in Berlin, gold medals out there in relays in one hundred in two hundred meters as well. Whether she can then step up and do that on the world stage again is is a big ask for Dina Asher Smith. But I think she will certainly add to that medal total as well. And I'm, you know, I'm I've got to take slight issue with you having a go at uh, Katarina Johnson-Thompson for, for simply being known by her initials, KJT. <laughs> She's definitely won me over because in, in, in Australia, in the Gold Coast, she was seriously, seriously hurt at the end of her heptathlon there. She won the gold medal, but she still managed to drag herself, not just anywhere to come and be interviewed by me, but dragged herself to the beach to become <laughs> an interview by me. And if you're going to sit on the beach, on the Gold Coast at the Commonwealth Games and, you know, interview uh, an English or British gold medalist, English as she was there, then, you know, Katarina Johnson-Thompson got herself there, so she won me over for that. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, she, she's come a, a long, long way, and so have British athletics. What is this there? They won 12 medals in Glasgow. This is the most successful Euro indoors ever, and you mentioned Ailey Doyle in the 4 by 400 metres uh, relay, and again, I think they showed the men what they need to be doing. I thought the men, you know, they were a young 4 by 4 team, but they, they just got uh, outthought and outwitted, uh, particularly in the changeovers. But Nielsen, Clark, Anning and Doyle, and a 51.5 last leg from Ailey Doyle. I mean, you can always rely on her. You can always rely on her to come and be interviewed uh, by the likes of us, but you can always rely on her to perform as well. 
Yeah, she's um, she's a fantastic athlete, and I think I said this in a previous episode of anything but footy. But what, what I like about Ellie Doyle is she's always there, isn't she? You yeah. know, she's she's at the British Championships, she does the Diamond League circuit, and she turns up at all the majors, whether that's indoors and outdoors. She just seems to love to compete. She had a bit of a bad week by her own admission and by her own high standards in the individual. Didn't work out for her, but she refocused and got herself back in the game for this relay. You know, she's won a relay medal at World Championship level. She's won a relay medal at Olympic level. She will look back on her career and, and look at that medal cabinet and, and think, yeah, I, I was pretty good. I was a pretty decent decent 400-meter runner. And she's just not quite ever got to where she needs to be to win an individual medal. And she's gone close on a couple of occasions. We've had high hopes for her on a couple of occasions. But you're simply a bit like Martin Rooney. You just can't argue with what she can provide to a 4x400 relay team. We've talked a lot about the British women and, uh, and the middle distance running and what they've done. I thought one of the performances at Glasgow at, uh, at these uh, Euro indoors was Chris O'Hare. He was the first British male medalist of the of the championships. You've mentioned uh, obviously uh, some others there, but uh, what a performance in the uh, in the three thousand meters! And of course, he was uh, us- usurped. I suppose uh, he was the sandwich, the Ingebrigtsen sandwich. I suppose you could <laughs> say, uh, beaten by the youngster uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Uh, and Henrik Older, who frankly looked like Freddie Mercury from uh, the uh, Queen video. Um, I think he was going to burst into uh, um, a song, Do You Want to Break Free at any moment? But he, you know, by a th- three thousandths of a second, he managed to hold on uh, to a silver medal. And I, you just wonder whether Chris O'Hare can, can, can work with the Ingebrigtsens a little bit because, you know, they're coached by their dad in Norway. Um, you know, he's he said, you know, and in some in some quarters this could be a little bit controversial that why can't we beat the africans uh, you know a lot of people say you, you can never you can never win against the you know people you know the, the the great performance from ethiopia and kenya but why can't they and i think chris o'hare he's shown that yes this is a european level but you know if you can if you can come through and you can do uh, along with the Ingebrigtsens and try and get this European challenge going once again at, at the 1500 metres and the 3000 metres uh, at world level and 5000 metres, you know, in the outdoor track, then maybe we've got, a, you know, they've got a chance to try and get some medals in the outdoor season. And you're a big fan of the Ingebrigtsens because I remember you, you <laughs> messaged me shortly afterwards uh, along the lines of if the Ingebrigtsens were a country, uh, which picks me up on something I once said on the radio <laughs> back in the day, which is the words, if Yorkshire was a country, they give you awards for that kind of thing. So I'm going to christen you uh, Jonas Knudsching from now on, OK? Um, yeah, well done to the, the Ingebrigtsens, the, the Borlays as well of Belgium in that relay as well. I just wanted to ask you, though, about Richard Kilty. Finishing fourth in yep. the 60 metres. We've we've spoken about it um, at length. Wasn't selected by British Athletics initially. Were they justified in their decision in the fact that despite him coming back from his Achilles injury, he didn't get on the podium? I think it was probably just a race too far for him because, you know, w- when you're in the uh, in the championships, you have to do the heats and the semi-finals. And, uh, you know, he looked he looked good going into them and you would go. And I think everyone was saying it was the right decision that he was there to defend his title. But it's the worst place to finish, isn't it? Fourth in a final. I mean, he, he admitted afterwards he was gutted. He fe- said it felt like a failure. So does it justify the judge's decision? I, you know, I, I think they, they probably should have put him through uh, anyway because he was the defending champion. And, and we did put a really 
really, as we talked about in a, in a previous uh, podcast, you know, it, it were a really tough target to get through. Um, so roll on the outdoor season for him. I mean, you know, he's part of the relay squad, as, as we've been talking about, um, and, w- and we'll see how he, how he gets on. Uh, and it'll be good to have some of the... It's weird, actually, talking about athletics and not talking about our British sprinters because we haven't had them uh, performing here in Glasgow. But, you know, indoors is very, very different uh, to the outdoor season. One thing, though, before we move on on this Anything But Footy special on the uh, Euro Indoor Championships in Glasgow, um, the medal presentations in a corridor. Now, I... <laughs> Now I know yeah. they want. I, I know they want to do something a bit different because in Berlin last year it was in the middle of the park, in the middle of the town, with some strange people singing some strange national anthems. I don't, I don't think Dina Asher Smith particularly liked the, the national anthem in Berlin last year, but uh, in the European Championships outdoor, but in a corridor, Michael. Yeah, it seemed to me that the medals were handed out in the foyer, and <laughs> it it kind of goes back to to Sochi. They built that hugely expensive Winter Olympic Park, and to try and justify the expense of that. And all the cheating that was going on around that, they decided to hand the medals out in what they called the medal plaza. Now, it kind of worked in the Winter Olympics in 2014. It was a nice focal point for people coming out from different events, whether it was the ice skating, the speed skating, whatever, and seeing the medals handed out. Berlin then tried something different. Glasgow obviously then thought, well, we have to do the same. We can't just give these medals out in the middle of the arena. Yeah, to move them into the foyer, a little bit disrespectful, I felt. At points, I was looking at some of those athletes collecting the medals, thinking I should be ordering a burger and chips and and maybe a cola (laughs) off them at the moment. They kind of stood there. I felt a little bit sorry for them. Um, I just wanted to add as well, well done to the the British 4x400 metres team. Uh, from 2010, who received their silver medal upgrade, Nicola Sanders, Marilyn Okuro, Lee McConnell, and the always wonderful Perry Shakes-Drayton. Uh, they also won an upgraded medal, the 4x400 metres, from the Beijing Olympics in 2008, and they got their silver medal at these indoors as well. But, yeah, shame it had to be given to them in, in what looked like a service area of the arena. Yeah, has a gold medalist ever been asked where the toilets are before? Uh, anyway... <laughs> Right, this is Anything But Footy. Still to come, we're going to talk diving because Daly is back. But first, as this special continues, we move from the European indoors in Glasgow to the World Track Cycling Championships in Poland. And a contrasting uh, mix of emotions for Great Britain uh, really started off brilliantly, Michael, with Eleanor Barker uh, storming to victory with a gold medal um, in, in day one of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the event. The rainbow jersey was her after a huge crash uh, it was absolutely incredible from her but it really went downhill from that point on and all we're talking about is the likes of Laura um, we did win some medals silver medals in the pursuits for the men and the women but injury to Katie Archibald with concussion and she'd stepped in for Laura Kenny who'd been unwell what did you make of of Poland and the world track cycling championships just the one gold medal, Great Britain's sixth in the medal table. Stephen Park, the performance director, has been been talking earlier, saying with 508 days to Tokyo, don't write the British team off yet. And I agree with him, actually, because I think next year will be a bigger indicator. Because if you look at 2015, so the equivalent championships a year out from the Rio Olympics, Great Britain were 10th in the medal table. They brought home just three silver medals. They then go to Rio in 2016, Every track cyclist gets a medal. They come home with 12. If you look at 2016, when the World Track Cycling Championships were held in London, so we're, what, five, six months out of Rio, nine medals, five golds, 
first in the medal table. You can see the projection. Go back even further to 2012, five, six months out of the London Olympics. The World Track Cycling Championships are held in Melbourne. 13 medals, including six golds, second in the medal table. So I think there's some positives to take. Jack Carlin's had an amazing year. Katie Marchant came up a bit short in Poland, but she won that World Cup silver in New Zealand in January. And when you've got the experience of people like Ed Clancy, Jason Kenny coming back to their best as well, I think there's there's lots to be lots to be positive about. Britain has, has really dominated cycling, but they've dominated it at the Olympic level. 14 medals in Beijing, eight in London, six golds in Rio. 2008, really, Beijing, when when Great Britain started dominating, as you rightly say. And you mentioned a couple of performances there. I thought Ethan Hayter uh, as well in the Omnium, you know, picking up a bronze medal. They reckon he's the next Bradley Wiggins, but, you know, he was beaten by the New Zealand Campbell Stewart. But, you know, he admitted inexperience, played the part in that. He can learn from that. That's why they're in these events. Uh, and the same with Eleanor Barker, who had to stand in in the Madison for, for Katie Archibald. I mean, defending world champion Archibald to not be able to compete in one of her best events was 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 absolutely devastating for her and and Laura Kenny you know it, it shows they're human but also you know things have changed for for Laura Kenny you know she's a mum and as we all know you pick things up from children that you have no idea what on <laughs> earth you've got and, and and she was just like I didn't feel that well in the team pursuit where she was beaten by Australia and so were the men including Ed Clancy as you say so I think you're right look you know we we we're sixth in the medal table we're not worrying about it but it is a different level to the european indoors of athletics isn't it that's that's the thing to to try and just sort you know we've talked a lot about athletics in this in this podcast in this episode but you know this is a this is a level above the europeans yeah i think you've just got to have confidence in what the british cycling program are doing british athletics have had a fantastic weekend they will rightly laud themselves about the weekend but to to be brutally honest, to all intents and purposes, as far as, you know, making a difference in terms of public perception and brutally as well funding, this weekend for British Athletics, not overly important. Now, there will be athletes that will take heart from their medals, will gain confidence. There will be athletes that have got great experience this weekend. But, you know, Doha and then Tokyo is what it's all about. For the track cycling team, as I've already explained, they are building up to Tokyo. That is when they'll want to do it. My final point on this is I do feel a bit sorry for Nia Evans because Laura Kenny had said that she was feeling ill all week. So I don't understand why she opted to take part in that women's team pursuit because I think if Nia Evans had got the chance, that silver might have been converted to gold. Having said that, in full disclosure here, I'm a big fan of Nia Evans because I was once on a metro train and uh, something had happened in the world of sport, and I was required to broadcast urgently. And as you know, nowadays, with, with Wi-Fi and laptops, you can pretty much get on air anywhere in the world at any time. Uh, but the only place I could get any kind of reception to get on the radio to broadcast was by actually literally sitting on the feet of Nia Evans. So I was sat on her feet <laughs> on a metro train in Australia, broadcasting back to the good people of Leeds and Yorkshire in a radio station there. And uh, she thought it was absolutely hilarious. And she said she didn't mind me sitting on her feet just as long as I didn't interview her live on the radio at the time. So, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Nia Evans. I just wonder whether that Team Pursuit Silver might have been gold if perhaps she got the nod ahead of the, the ill Laura Kenny. But do you leave out the greatest Olympian female athlete of all time for Great Britain? If she's, that, if she's not well, if she's not well, if she's not been feeling well all week, 
you've got to put side before self. But you and, go, uh, but you go back with the Richard Kilty argument. Well, sorry, mate, you didn't hit the time, so you shouldn't be there. And, and this and, is th- these are the decisions that people have to make. Yeah, and the decisions have been made, obviously. But I think maybe if Laura Kenny wasn't feeling as well as she should, and she said, obviously, in all the interviews afterwards, that she hadn't been feeling great all week, maybe she should have made the decision or gone to the, the seniors, the principals in the team and said, look, I don't feel as good as I know I can be. You know, we know how good she is. We know what her medal record is. Um, she's she's not a young cyclist anymore. She's an experienced cyclist. Maybe at that point she should have said, look, I don't think today is going to be my day. An athletics and cycling special of anything but footy, but we want to get into swimming and diving before we finish. And uh, Jazz Carlin, one of our greatest ever British swimmers, uh, has decided to um, focus on the kids, to mentor the youth squad for Wales and a Learn to Swim programme. Uh, what a yeah, performance she's, she's, she's been, though, Michael. She's hanging up the goggles, isn't she? Announced her retirement this week. Um, the story for Jazz Carlin, really, was obviously that absolute heartbreak on missing out um, on selection in London 2012, both individually and the relays as well. She'd had she'd had a terrible time with glandular fever, with tonsillitis, uh, but she came back in Rio and she won two silver medals there in the 400 metres freestyle and the 800 metres freestyle. Regular medalist at Commonwealth European level. She has won medals at the World Championships um, as well, um, both in long course and short course swimming. But the two silvers in Rio really sort of just capped the career. And, yeah, we wish her well in her new ambassadorial role with Swim Wales. And staying in the water and aquatics, Tom Daly is back after his his year out, being a dad, of course. And he's come back in medal-winning form, a silver in the 10-metre platform, uh, bronze in the 3-metre synchro with, with Grace Reed as well. A couple of other medals just to talk about before we discuss Tom in more detail. Jack Law winning a bronze in the 3-metre springboard and a bronze in the synchro with Dan Goodfellow. And Dan Goodfellow is that person that was always the other one, wasn't he, in Rio, yes, if you'll yeah. recall, because he, he died with Tom Daly, poor bloke. And everyone went, oh, can I get an interview with um, Tom Daly and, and the, the, the other one? <laughs> poor Dan. Well, it- He's making a name for himself. They've been training together, him and Jack, for, for six months in Leeds, and they're beginning to get there. So, you know, fingers crossed uh, that that will continue. But you're right about Tom. You know, we talked about Laura Kenny. Things have changed because she's a mum. He's now uh, a dad, and he's actually delivered. I think that I think they described it as the best series of dies of his life. Nearly. He was 10 points off his lifetime best score in the 10 metres uh, in his performance in this World Series in Tokyo. Uh, what a performance from Tom Daly. And I think... I think it's good that he's going to go for the Olympics next year, or it seems that way, um, because, you know, he is such a name within uh, British sport and also swimming and diving. And I think it's important that he continues uh, on that. And talking of big events happening in London, I believe that there is a big event uh, for the divers. The World Series will be at the London Aquatic Centre, where, of course, 2012 was held uh, in May. So uh, Tom will be performing there in just a few months' time on that. Uh, And I do think with Tom, sorry to interrupt, I do think with Tom, I think British diving generally has so much just to be thankful to for him because he really you know coming through at such a young age really has has kind of framed what the sport has been able to do because it's his medal success that's led to that that funding that's come into the sport which means that we're now talking about people like Jack Law and Dan Goodfellow and the other thing I'd say about Tom Daly is he is actually genuinely a really really nice person and you and I have both been in situations where 
Tom Daly's been at one of those media events where he's required to do 35 different interviews one after the other. And I've watched him closely at those things, thinking at one point today, his eyes are going to roll, the smile is going to drop, <laughs> he's not going to be happy with where he's being taken next. But it, if it was a mask, it never fell, which makes me believe that it's not a mask and he is just genuinely a really, really good bloke. I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're right, and he is one of those best. Uh, quick word on, on Bob Slay. I know you wanted to uh, to talk about that in this uh, Anything But Footy episode three. Yeah, well, we're talking about retirements. Um, we talked about Jazz Carlin. Happy retirement as well to John Jackson, who's a 39-year-old Royal Marine. And again, I'm going to bring funding up here. I seem to do it all the time. But John Jackson will get a bronze medal, probably, from the Sochi 2014 Olympics, where uh, the British four-man bob of John Jackson, Stuart Benson, Joel Fearon and Bruce Tasker originally finished fifth, but behind two Russian crews. So uh, both of them um, obviously have subsequently failed various doping tests. So the bobsleigh team will get their bronze medal. I just wonder whether, had they got that bronze medal at the time, whether the funding would have increased ahead of Pyeongchang, which it didn't. Now, it might not have increased. Badminton didn't see an increase after winning a bronze in 2016. But Pyeongchang was terrible for the bobsleigh team. The four men finished 17th and 18th, 12th in the two-man. The unfunded women finished 8th. Their funding was cut five months before the Games. They had £5 million invested in the lead-up to Pyeongchang. It could have been more had they won that bronze medal at the time. And the World Championships are going on at the moment. Brad Hall and Nick Gleeson have finished fourth. They've had to crowdfund their bob. Their sled costs them £6,000. That might just convince UK sport to reinvest. That was the best GB finish for 53 years. And as I said, happy retirement to John Jackson, who will retire, I'm sure, as an Olympic bronze medalist. And not yet retired, 37-year-old Roger Federer. Uh, he was 19 years of age when he won his first ATP title in Milan in 2001. He's just won his 109th. Uh, sorry, he's won, just won his 100th, and he joins Jimmy Connors, uh, as Jimmy rightly said on Twitter. Welcome to the Triple Digit Club. He's on 109 ATP titles and World Grand Slam titles, all that kind of stuff. Roger Federer. I mean, he's just the greatest, isn't he? I don't think there's oh, any yeah. argument. 21 years of age when he won Wimbledon, 100 titles, 20 majors, six-year-end championships. He's held the number one ranking for a record number of weeks, the oldest ever uh, world number one as well. You wouldn't bet against him overhauling Jimmy Connors' 109, but yeah, congratulations to Roger Federer. One other retirement we should mention just before we go this week, James DeGale, the first Brit to win Olympic gold and then a world title in boxing. He announced his retirement after losing to Chris Eubank Jr., James DeGale, thank you for the memories. Mm, absolutely. If only we could all be as good as them. Uh, you can get in touch anytime, as we said, uh, at anything but F on Twitter. Get it right. Uh, Facebook and Insta as well. And uh, keep us informed with what you want us to cover as the weeks continue. Sports Social Podcast Network.